Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that strange week between Christmas and New Year's, and we're back for the Steelers now pregame scout. But yes, the Steelers are back on a Sunday afternoon. They're playing the Seahawks in a game that could very well tip their season one way or the other. Looks like it will, in fact, uh, be the game they have to win if they want to stay in this thing, just like it was last week. I'm Matt Geico, along with Derek Bell from Steelers now. He's our analyst there. Yes, Steelers at Seattle, but we got to talk a little bit about last week because what a difference it was from the three-game losing streak, and maybe it was, uh, well, a lot of it was attributable to the quarterback. Mason Rudolph returned to action and improbably led the offense to a big breakout as uh, they almost had their playoff hopes completely dead in the water. And in fact, they might have ended the Bengals' playoff chances with that blowout win at Acrisure Stadium. The Steelers are still a long shot to make the postseason. Let's make that clear as of right now. NFL.com has them at 17%, for instance, but 8-7 and a lot better than 7-8. and And, And Derek, the offense hadn't even scored more than 20 in five straight weeks. Then they go out there and they put up 34 their most in more than two years. So um, as far as we're concerned, we get a little variety here. We get to talk about a victory and also a win in which the offense actually carried the load. Yeah, it was nice to see, you know, uh, the the theme of the week just uh, when I was watching it live, but also um, just when I was watching the tape, uh, it just seems like competency. Like that's really what Mason Rudolph, I felt like, provided the offense. Uh, you know, he did a really good job just knowing where to go with the ball, where to go with his eyes post-snap. I thought he made good decisions. You know, he only had like really one turnover worthy play, took care of the football, which is obviously big. 
You know, the Steelers, after that plus three turnover differential last week, I believe they're back in the NFL lead or tied for the lead uh, in turnover differential. So if you just look at the wins and losses of how the Steelers have come away from matchups uh, with wins, it's been when they won the turnover battle. So they did a good job. You know, obviously getting the ball to George Pickens definitely helps. You know, 14 went off for 200 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he played spectacular football, but uh, was really impressed with the performance from Rudolph. Uh, granted, you know, with the, with the caveat that we talked about last week, this is a bad Bengals defense. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett had a, probably his best game of his career just a couple weeks ago against the same defense. So, um, you know, this this defense that they're going to see with Seattle, a little bit better, in my opinion, just across the board, uh, even though, you know, they, they've still got some exploitable areas there as well. But I'm excited to see, you know, if he can build off that performance, string two of these uh, together in a row. Yeah, let's break down what the Steelers might be able to carry over into Seattle. And, and by the way, the Seahawks can essentially lock up a playoff berth with a win. Not totally, but they can get their playoff percentage up around 90% if they win. So they'll have plenty on the line as well. They're favored by three and a half at home as of Friday afternoon. And the over-under is 41. So the bookmakers think we're looking at another low-scoring showdown here. But as for last week and uh, what it might portend for this week, yeah, Mason Rudolph, he's number one story, obviously, following a 124 passer rating. That was the best for a Steelers QB in five years. Passer rating, just one of many metrics that we can use to uh, determine efficiency, of course. But it was pretty much night and day, especially in contrast to what we've seen earlier this year from both Mitch Trubisky recently and Kenny Pickett over the first, what, 12 games of the season. Did you think any part of it was predictable beforehand? You mentioned the Bengals' defense. Not exactly a shining example of uh, of point prevention, but at the same time, uh, it, it felt more like let's just throw this at the wall and see what happens for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked a little bit about it on the preview, if I believe, if I remember correctly, but just the Bengals defense um, really susceptible to giving up big plays. Uh, safety play has been a issue for them over the course of the season. Uh, you know, losing Jesse Bates, uh, Vaughn Bell and free agency. They've got some young guys playing back there that are still kind of finding their footing. I mean, you saw a good example of that um, when I mentioned like ha Rudolph having his eyes in the right place. Just simple things like hitting that slant on the first pass of the game, just like knowing where to go. You know, they got middle field closed. So against, you know, cover three, you really want to work that slant flat combo. Uh, he hits Pickens and stride. But if you watch the safety, he takes a terrible angle. And that's just that's the difference in having, you know, a second year guy who's barely played and having a guy like Jesse Bates, who's been arguably the best safety in the league this year. So um, those interchangeable pieces on the back end with Cincinnati secondary has really caused them issues over the season. So I am surprised that Rudolph played as well as he did, uh, even though I don't think it was like some like just fantastic record breaking performance, but he played well. Um, and just for his first performance, uh, first start in two years, I thought that, that was definitely notable. So um, I just think, you know, again, just knowing where to go with the football. And I thought that there were definitely some encouraging times too of, uh, Rudolph showing some improvement in terms of dealing with pressure, like not getting to his check down on time and uh, just not seeming as frazzled with his feet um, when there was pressure in his face. Uh, but, you know, again, it's one week. We're going to see if he can continue it on uh, against the Seahawks. I'm excited uh, for him to get another opportunity to show what he can do. Is there one thing, one aspect of the game that Rudolph does better than the Steelers' other two quarterbacks? I think um, – just against the Bengals, I just think it, a little bit more of like playing on time. Um, what I mean by that is just, uh, you know, Trubisky in general um, is he's just a guy that doesn't really like to play within structure like very often. I mean, he's just very chaotic in the pocket. He wants to scramble, do different things. 
Pickett can be like that uh, in some regards, but I actually think that Kenny's been a little bit more willing this year to play within structure. There's just been things in his game that have been preventing him uh, from really being successful at it. But I just think uh, with Mason, the biggest thing that I took away from, he just knew where to go with the football, like confirming stuff post-snap, you know, making the right reads. And I think that you saw um, just some of the easy plays, like I mentioned with that slant, like it's just a slant, but those are the plays that have been missing in the offense. Like if you think about like all the weeks just leading up to the Bengals game, how many inbreakers have we seen the quarterbacks just sail due to bad footwork, due to, you know, just misses, uh, high, low whatsoever. Um, those are the plays that just, they haven't been made consistently over the course of the season so just them making those simple plays um it makes all the difference and you give the chance to get your best playmaker the football and you know good things typically happen there's been a lot of talk this year you've talked a lot about this uh over the course of the season how it doesn't seem we we have the ceiling of extremely talented passers in the nfl but might you also say that say going to your third string guy with rudolph it's been the year of the backup quarterback across the nfl a lot of these guys are looking at least competent. Maybe the floor is a little bit higher, but the ceiling is lower. Does that make any sense for you as far as like the the entire quarterback talent pool in the NFL right now? Yeah, I mean, I think really the thing that kind of sticks out to me is, um, you know, I think as, as time has moved on, I do feel like the backup quarterback position uh, has been able to kind of acclimate themselves quicker in today's game. But I also think, um, you know, one of the things that I think we get caught up in and like from a fan perspective um, is just that instant gratification. I feel like that a backup often provides. So when the backup comes in and plays really well, you know, it lifts the spirits of the fan base. Like you can just feel it like on social media right now, like the Steelers fan base, the mood is completely different than what it had been previously. Um, But I also think that, you know, what we saw from Jake Browning last week is a good example of why it's important not to get too high or too low with backups. Like you almost have to grade them on a curve because typically the NFL, man, it's a really cruel business. It's a really cruel game and it will humble you very quickly. And there's a reason that these guys are backups. Um, You know, the more tape that you put out there, the more exposure that defensive coordinators have uh, on you and they, those guys get paid too. So they're, you know, Seattle's going to have a good game plan. I'm sure they've, now that they've got a little bit of uh, exposure to Rudolph, I'm excited to see what, tweaks the Steelers making the offense this week to kind of keep them off balance Mm -hmm. okay let's move on to the other guy who had a huge game last year or last week pardon me on the offensive uh, side of the ball George Pickens we were just talking last week seven days ago about is George Pickens really worth it does he have the high-end ceiling um, to uh, to borrow a term from the previous uh, topic here to tolerate a lot of the stuff that's going on the uh, the attitude the uh, mysterious quotes, uh, the just basically hanging his teammates out to dry at times as well on the field, which for me is the most troublesome part of it. But then he comes out and, of course, with great service from Rudolph, he puts forth his best game as an NFL player. As you put it in your recap of, of what went down, it was a Moss-like performance, and it really was with some of the huge catches. He had three receptions of over 50 yards. That's believed to be the first time in Steelers history that's ever happened. Uh, which I guess not surprising, but still really puts it in perspective how how good and how explosive both he and Rudolph were in that uh, combination last week. But uh, as far as Pickens goes, did you see anything different in his game or was it more the Bengals didn't really respect him with the coverages they were throwing out there? 
Yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit of everything. You know, we talked last week about Pickens, just some of the immaturity stuff that was kind of circulating. Obviously, he was, you know, king of the headlines heading into the Bengals game. And, um, you know, I feel pretty good about, you know, how our conversation about, you know, that situation was being handled and some of the things that were being said. Um, I think really it's just opportunity, man. Like, I, I love the response from a young player, you know, somebody that had, um, you know, dealt with a lot just in the media over the course of the days leading up to the game but come out and have a put on a performance like that was really special um i was surprised a little bit uh i will say the last touchdown you know i think it's 24 to 8 uh and anarumo decided he was gonna uh go press man with single high safety uh in the middle of the field i was very surprised that they did that after what pickens had done throughout the game just in terms of uh winning vertically winning all over the field um, so whenever those looks present themselves, you almost have to take advantage. And like, that's the thing that I liked about what Rudolph did. He gave him opportunities, uh, to make plays down the field. Anytime the Steelers face man coverage or any type of single high, I feel really confident with the guys they got on the outside, you know, George Pickens, I think he's an incredible talent. I think he really has the talent to be one of the five, 10 best players at his position in the league. Um, even, you know, soon-ish in the next couple of years. Uh, and I still trust Deontay Johnson to get open anytime he's one-on-one. It's really just about the opportunity. You know, this offense has been really stagnant. There's problems with the scheme. There's problems in pass protection. There's problems with the quarterback play. Um, like I, you know, hit on on Twitter last week, I think we brought it up in the pregame too. Like this offense does not lack weapon weapons. I think that people are confusing the production from the weapons with the talent from the weapons. The weapons are talented enough, hundred percent in my in my belief. Uh, it's just about the opportunities, and you know, hopefully those guys continue to get those as the season kind of concludes here. It really does tell you how crucial it is uh, for other players to do their job for wide receivers to shine, right? Because it takes a while to get the ball out there, especially if you're trying to get plays downfield. You got to have blocking. We'll talk about that in a little bit too. But overall, quarterback play, um, it, it everyone knows it's essential. But again, this this tells you exactly how essential. And I guess it does bring to light for me how frustrating it must be as a receiver. You know you're good at what you do, but you're just not getting the opportunities because uh, somewhere down the chain, someone's not doing their job or the uh, the opponent is finding a way to shut you down. So. Um, I think a lot of times we uh, we go overboard with the whole wide receiver as diva um, narrative because, look, so much of it is out of their control, isn't it, with how well they do? Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult unless you're somebody that just enjoys like diving into the film every week and you're watching each individual player. Um, it's really difficult to understand the performance of a specific player in a team sport like this. There's 11 guys on the field. And like when you're at the receiver position, which is directly impacted um, by how the quarterback's playing, it's really difficult. Like, cause we, we talk about the stats of it, right? Like a lot of receivers are, you know, you, you mentioned the diva term and everything like that. Everybody wants to put up big numbers. Um, but like I said, the production aspect of it really depends on the quarterback getting you the ball. I mean, that just, that just is the sport. That is the game. Um, but, you know, like I said, the, the Steelers are in a really good spot with the weapons that they got on offense. They got a lot of stuff that they're going to have to hammer out in the offseason. We'll see how, you know, 2023 concludes here, if they're able to make the playoffs, make a push, whatever. Uh, but they've got some stuff to figure out on offense. I really don't have a lot of concerns about, like, the weaponry. Uh, I think they've got two mm-hmm. talented backs. I think they've got multiple good receivers. Um, you know, if they can figure out, you know, Fryermuth getting to play a little bit more consistent, reintegrate him back into the offense and then find – some type of slot receiver in the offseason. I think this is a, a really ready-made set group 
uh, for whoever is going to be whatever the quarterback situation is next year. I feel really confident with that kind of environment or ecosystem for that player to work with. And this all, I think, goes back to why a lot of us were so frustrated with the coaching because we felt like that the the talent was there, just the production was not. So bridging that gap, right? It, it's part coaching and it's part execution on the, the part Absolutely. of the guys uh, across the roster. All right, moving on to third down. And uh, you killed the Steelers, rightfully so, for their uh, trench warfare or lack thereof against the Colts in the final game of that losing streak. It really was, I would say, embarrassing not even borderline embarrassing it was embarrassing for the Steelers to get pushed around as they did and um it's not like they had a huge rushing performance Najee Harris though did have a very productive game uh we saw some moments and a, a big block in fact on uh, the Calvin Austin touchdown from Jalen Warren and also awesome defensively yeah the, the Steelers got uh after Joe Mixon and company there was really no rushing attack for the Bengals as well so uh, that was a pretty big turnaround, wasn't it, from the previous week? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the just the disparity in terms of the rushing games. Uh, you look at like the way that the Steelers ran the ball compared to the way the Bengals ran the ball. Uh, the Bengals, 31% success rate. The Steelers were at 45. I mean, that's a huge difference, especially like not even just comparing the two run games, but you got to think about it. The Both teams are playing backup quarterbacks. Like you're not trying to put too much on their shoulders. And that was one of the nice things I felt like really from the jump. Uh, the Steelers were creating good rushing lanes for Najee uh, and getting some push, allowing them to stay on schedule. They weren't in too many third and longs to where, you know, the pass rushers of the Bengals, Trey Hendrickson, was able to really just like tee off on him um, in those obvious situations. You want to try to avoid those as much as possible. And I felt like the running game allowed them to stay stay on schedule, and that was a good thing. And then on the flip side of that, I really felt like the Steelers defensive line did an excellent job uh, just holding up the point of attack. You know, beating blocks with quickness, standing, uh, you know, the Bengals heavy gap team like to run a lot of duo that requires you to be physical up front when those when those gaps in the line of scrimmage um, and then just shutting Mixon down. They've done that twice this year. Really impressive. Uh, Mixon's a powerful back. He's AFC North built. Uh, I know Tomlin always compliments, you know, his physicality, uh, but just like shutting him down and making the Bengals one dimensional. I mean, that's that's really the Steelers M.O. on defense. Right. Like you win the early downs, you win first, second down get teams in the third and long and then how like if teams want to be brave enough to go deep drop back passing game you have two really good edge rushers that are going to win their matchup more often than not so that's kind of just the formula and I felt like that was how they were able to kind of force Browning into some bad decisions too, just getting him backed up uh into less advantageous situations was it mostly matchup dependent or do you feel like that they can carry that over it's going to be tougher on the road obviously against Seattle as we kind of transition into what we're going to look at this week and like i mentioned the the seahawks are not going to be lacking any motivation it's just like last week really uh kind of a loser leaves town match again for the third consecutive week uh do you feel like that that type of success is sustainable against a different seahawks outfit yeah i mean just like even looking at the seahawks from an offensive perspective when the stewards are on defense right like the the seahawks rushing game isn't like the most efficient thing of all time like if you've ever watched kenneth walker uh who's dealing with an injury right now he's dealing with an injured shoulder if you've ever watched him run he's a very boomer bust runner like he bounces stuff to the outside when he doesn't need to like he's a guy who wants who is searching desperately for the big play um so even there are times where um you know they will get themselves into second down and long third down and long those types of situations uh, Gino has really struggled uh, this season because it, like 
in those situations where he he's been heavily pressured. They've dealt with some injuries on their offensive line standpoint. So I think the Steelers do have a talent advantage on the interior for sure. Uh, just in terms of like Seattle center guard situation. I like Keanu Benton in this matchup a lot. Um, and then the Steelers uh, edge rushers. I mean, those guys get paid a lot of money. Like you're, you're going to put your faith in them regardless of how talented the young tackles of the Seahawks are Charles Cross, Abe Lucas. Um, those guys are really good players. But um, one thing about Seattle that I think is willing that is definitely noteworthy. Um, Seattle, even when they get in those third and long situations, they don't like to get help uh, on the edge. Like they like to get five guys out in the pass protection or out in the route. So that's kind of a old like Shanahan McVay thing. They really like to get five guys out in the pattern. And if you're doing that, you're going to tell your tackles like, hey, you're you're one on one. And if they're willing to go one on one on TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, those guys have to dominate. And I expect them to if that if that is the case. Yeah, so one interesting aspect of the matchup. Let's continue that look at the Seahawks. They've been in the shadow of the Niners all year, and rightfully so. San Francisco has been excellent, but the Seahawks have creeped up. They had a losing streak. Now they're on a winning streak. They've gotten back-to-back tight wins over Philly at home and Tennessee last week on the road, a last-minute victory, in fact. And now they're inside the NFC playoff field. They would be in the postseason if the season ended today. Uh, the obvious cliche being the season doesn't end today, but they have done good work to get to where they are. And for me, just uh, from the 10,000 foot view, Derek, the obvious matchup concern is DK Metcalf. The guy's an absolute beast week in, week out. Just watch the highlight tapes and you can see him all over it. Uh, fantastic one-handed touchdown catch uh, last week to help get the Seahawks within striking distance of the Titans there on the road. We know that Joey Porter Jr. is excited about facing off against DK Metcalf, but it's also a team effort, right? And shutting down a guy like that is the Steelers secondary going to be up to the task there. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that, right? Like the Steelers game plan last week against the Bengals was completely different than what we're accustomed to. Uh, they played the second highest rate of zone coverage that they had all season. Uh, the only time they played uh, less man coverage was week two, I think, against the uh, the Browns. Uh, so a lot of zone coverage last week, but we still saw Joey Porter Jr. follow T. Higgins around. Um, I anticipate that's going to be the same thing this week with Metcalf. Uh, Metcalf's a really interesting player. Obviously, uh, you just look at the dude. He's like a Greek god. He's like, what, 6'4", 6'3", like 235. He's built like very few NFL receivers have ever been built like. Height, height weight, speed, freak. Uh, loves to win vertically, go routes, slants, digs. They run some like deep out patterns with him. Um, he's an absolute monster. Like one of the things I think with DK in terms of like slowing him down is um, you have to get your hands on him. You have to play physical with him. Uh, it sounds like counterintuitive with a physical receiver, like a bigger guy like that. Uh, but if you just play off or you play soft and you don't get hands on him, uh, he's got one of those guys that just builds up speed very quickly and he's just going to run right by you. So I think for Porter, this is a matchup where like you look at it from the Steelers perspective. This is why they went out and got him. Like you, you want to play man coverage. You want to play single high, especially on passing downs, be aggressive in the secondary. You went out and got Joey Porter Jr. for stuff like this. You put that guy at the line of scrimmage and let him, let him take his lumps or, you know, let him win his reps. Like, let's just see what he's about. So, um, just based on how Porter's played, like some of the best receivers in the league this season. Yeah, there's been some penalties. I think he leads the league right now or tied for the league league in penalties. Uh, but he's won the vast majority of the reps that he's came across. Films very good. The numbers are very good. Um, I'm excited about this matchup uh, and just to kind of see how it unfolds because it's going to be like a heavyweight fight. 
Just looking at the Seahawks schedule, in fact, it might be a team that uh, is better than its record indicates. They have a couple of losses to the Niners. Who doesn't have a, a loss or two to the Niners, it seems like, this year? Uh, they fell in a close one to the Cowboys on the road in that matchup. They lost twice to the Rams. I guess that's uh, kind of mysterious. Both teams are fighting for the playoffs, both at eight and seven right there. And like I mentioned, they just took down the Eagles um, at home. And uh, the uh, the win against the Titans, of course, puts them in this position where if they went out, they're definitely in uh Geno Smith the uh the quarterback for Seattle he has had an interesting route through his pro career um had some failures early uh fresh start in Seattle seems to have done pretty well for him a couple of seasons into his tenure uh with Pete Carroll so uh what are the strengths and weaknesses of uh of his game and, and what the Seahawks are trying to do in general on offense yeah, no, Gino, man, I, I said this last year, but Gino was one of the biggest surprises, of course, league-wide, but especially to me. Like, I did not think he had this level of play to him. I kept waiting for him to kind of come down, and some of the numbers and advanced numbers did come down the second half of the season. And You know, this this year it's been more uh, – he's been a solid starter. He's about league average uh, in terms of, like, the important metrics. But like I mentioned, they've, they've had some pass protection issues that have been uh, some severe – pass protection issues that he's had to deal with with Gino is really just about one of the most confident passers in the NFL today like I, I don't even understand like he does have a good arm but he's one of those guys that absolutely believes with 100% certainty that he can make any throw like it doesn't matter what it is what what the coverage looks like he thinks he can fit the ball in there uh, very aggressive passer smart a, a really smart, intelligent quarterback, just in terms of uh, reading the defense, pre-snap, confirming post-snap, knowing where his eyes need to be. Uh, and he's a risk taker. He's a calculated risk taker. Uh, sometimes I feel like his aggressiveness can get him in trouble. Like you can get him in, into some turnover worthy plays here and there um, early in his career. Like the big thing with Gino uh, when he was, you know, starting his career with the Jets, took a lot of sacks and you can still sometimes see him fall back into some bad habits in terms of how he, uh, how he will take, or I will say like not just give up on plays, uh, but he's gotten better in terms of like maneuver in the pocket, navigating pressure. Uh, he's a dude, no matter what, like you can get him down early in the game. You can pick on him. You can pick him off. It doesn't matter. Fourth quarter comes around. He's still swinging. So like they need to expect, you know, the Steelers need to expect they're going to get 60 minutes of like him swinging hard and he's going to hit some home runs, man. Like you look at uh, talking about him and DK, Similar defense, just in terms of how they want to play the pass uh, against Dallas. You go back and watch some of the best throws that Geno made that day. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's a, like his highlight reel is up there with any quarterback in the league. And you know, DK went off. He's like six catches, like 135 yards, three touchdowns. The reason that's relevant is because uh, Dallas like tops in the league in terms of man coverage rate. The Steelers right there with them. So like, there's going to be opportunities. Uh, in terms of, you know, Gino being able to pick his spots, take his shots. Uh, the Steelers going to have to be up for that. Joey Porter Jr. going to get tested. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, safeties, you know, getting this new look group with Rowe and Peterson. Got to keep stuff in front of him because he loves to throw the deep ball. And this is not the Legion of Boom anymore in Seattle. Obviously, we're several years past that peak for the uh, for the defense. Um, but what's the strength of, uh, of Seattle's uh, defending group this year? Yeah, they're they're better defending the pass than they are the run. Uh, they've got some guys in the secondary that I really like. Uh, they brought over Julian Love, Quandre Diggs, a really good post safety. Uh, Tariq Woolen had a really good rookie year. He was a guy that I was really unsure of what to do with uh, last draft process, just because um, you know 
technique was all over the place, but he went to a perfect situation. You know, Seattle's always found a way to get those guys type up to speed really quickly uh, in the secondary. At the linebacker spot, uh, we're going to see some Devin Bush. Uh, they play a little uh, big nickel. So um, whenever teams go like 12 personnel, they match with like a big nickel. Uh, usually that spot's filled by Jamal Adams, but it doesn't sound like he's going to play. So he's played there a little bit. Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks. Jordan Brooks has been injured, but he returned to practice on Friday. That's big for them. I think Brooks is actually – he's a guy, when he came into the league, I thought he was overdrafted, and now I think he's underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, way better in coverage than I ever would have anticipated coming out of Texas Tech. Their pass rush unit, it it's it's shaky a little bit. Very inconsistent. Uh, they got some young guys that are trying to find their way. Mafe, really athletic dude. Derek Hall, rookie. He's playing at, he's playing at a solid level, but – um, just overall, you know, the the way that you kind of get after this Seahawks unit is just running the football. Like they really struggle to defend the run. Um, and, you know, it really depends. Like it's kind of one of those things where Seattle's caught in a catch 22 uh, because they have to play guys like Bobby Wagner, who because he's one of their better run defenders. He's an excellent tackler still. Uh, but like guys like Wagner and Jamal Adams at this stage of their careers are um just black holes in coverage. So like you can exploit mm. them in coverage. So whenever those guys are on the field, you can attack them. I noted it in my Steelers now matchups article. Um, this would be the week. If there was ever a week to like actually design some routes, some angle routes, uh, some stuff to the flat for like Jalen Warren, this is the week to do it because uh, Wagner can be slow to diagnose route concepts. And he's just not the athlete that he was, you know, five, six years ago during the Legion of Boomer. Era. So uh, going to be a really answer- interesting matchup. I think the Steelers can, can put some points on the board provided, uh, you know, Rudolph plays the way that he played last week. All right. So here's the question. Do you buy what the bookmakers are selling this week? Seattle by three and a half. And like I mentioned, over under just at 40 one for uh, for Steelers Seahawks as we're down to week number 17. Man, I don't dude, I, I I'm telling you this year has been the hardest year to predict Steelers games in quite some time, man. Like I feel like uh, previous years you kind of I feel like you could know where if they're going to win, if it's going to be close, whatever. Um my my biggest prediction is that I think that this game's going to be really close. Uh, one way, like I don't see Seattle just blowing the brakes off of them. Uh, and I definitely don't see the Steelers do what they did last week, which is just demolish the Bengals. Uh, this is a really close matchup. I think the spread indicates that three and a half points, right? Seattle's at home. Um, yep. I think if the Steelers are going to win the game, I don't want to make a prediction because I feel like I've been wrong the last couple of weeks. And I, I feel like if I pick them to win they'll end up losing and i don't want people to be mad at us in the comments if the steelers are going to win i think the edge rushers have a huge huge game and they sack gino like three four times and then he throws an interception or two and that's the formula to win in uh it sounds really cliche but um that's really the way that you get after the seahawks team like i said they're terrible in the red zone so if you can force them to field goals that's a good thing uh if you can get after gino continue to pressure him he's gonna take some shots down the field but you just gotta rattle him and get him on the ground as much as possible and then on offense i think they have to run the ball efficiently and they have to take their shots when they can uh seattle's done a decent job keeping the lid on stuff like i said they got a really good post safety in quandre Diggs. Um, but you can you can still move the ball on them. One thing to also note about the Seattle corners, particularly Woolen, he's an awful tackler. So you can get him in space, and if you can like design some plays to get the ball in the playmaker's hands, maybe Deontay Johnson, maybe a guy like Calvin Austin, even George Pickens, there are yards to be made after the catch uh, if you can either run his way or throw quickly to his way because he's a guy that doesn't like tackle. Okay. 
So some insight from Derek Bell. He's got his usual SN Plus stuff up on SteelersNow.com. Follow us on social media, PGH Steelers Now, on all your relevant platforms. And uh, just a side note, I'd like some personal vengeance against Geno Smith. His Mountaineers came into uh, my Thundering Herds home field about 12 years ago and authored a huge comeback. Uh, we were up like 21 to 3 against uh, West Virginia. That's the last time that Marshall's played WVU, and uh, Geno Smith led that comeback. So I've always had that uh, <laughs> that taste for revenge against Smith. Uh, so we'll see if it happens this week and we'll see if Mason Rudolph can outplay him. Uh, it's been such a weird season, hasn't it, Derek? We're talking about Mason Rudolph, the savior here <laughs> in the final three weeks. Um, I guess, hey, they, they always make it interesting, right? That's the one thing you can say about the Steelers. And for all the complaints about Mike Tomlin, again, here we are at the end of the season. The team's got a shot. Yeah, it's 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 been such a weird season, man. Like the weirdest that I can ever remember. Uh, not even necessarily like good or bad. Just like you said, weird. Uh, hard to predict. Uh, I definitely never would have predicted that we were in week seventeen here and in a do or die matchup where Mason Rudolph's uh, you know responsible for keeping the Steelers playoff hopes alive. But that's where we're at. Uh, hopefully, they're able to come out with a W. It's gonna be like I said, it's gonna be a nasty game. One of the things that I really hope does not happen. And this is just from an old, like, growing up a Steelers fan and me having, like, I think it was the 2016, 2015 or 2016 season. I guess 2015 because they play every four years. Um, the officiating Seattle, man, don't be expecting any calls. <laughs> it's it's a different it's a different place to play. Like, they're going to let their DBs hold. I still, rem- like, vividly remember Richard Sherman practically mugging Antonio Brown that entire game and he didn't get a single call so don't be expecting any calls there's gonna be a lot of people complaining about the refs on Sunday on my on my Twitter sphere yeah well hey credit to the Seattle fans right it's Lumen Field now but uh, whatever the field's been called they've made it uh a a real uh, hellscape for the opposition and yeah like you said that bleeds over to the officiating right um that's been proven that that's the biggest effect on officiating is is a crowd they've subconsciously it, it sneaks in no matter how professional or how good you are at your job as a referee or as an official. So yeah, don't expect that. That's part of the reason why um, it's just going to be a little bit tougher inherently this week to uh, pull off another win, but the Steelers do have uh, some hope from last week and that's where they're working. Uh, as we Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry only on blue Nile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab grown diamond bands, all hand finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Go into the final two games of the season. All right, for Derek Bell, again, check out his work at SteelersNow.com. He also has his own YouTube page. I'm Matt Geico saying uh, goodbye. We'll talk to you next week for the finale. Until then, enjoy the football and happy early New Year.